Today's episode is sponsored by Global Specialized Safety Incorporated, globalssinc.com. That's globalssinc.com. Safe by choice, not by chance, for all of your safety needs. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 104 of Operation Tangle Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Today, we are simulcasting on Facebook Live as well as Operation Tangle Romeo Podcast, which is available on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google, you name it. It's there on all of the major ones. So today... I had to really kind of brace myself for this one. I want to talk about why dad is so mad. It's a wonderful children's book. I just finished watching the, um, a reading of it with, with the pictures on YouTube. And it's a tough one for me. The whole reason I reached out for help in the first place about four or five years ago was I could not, could not regulate my emotions, especially with my children. I would be upset at the stupidest, smallest things. Simply having dinner together, being at the table together, the anxiety was over the top. I mean, I just could not control myself at all as far as not getting frustrated. If the kids weren't eating in the way that I wanted them to be eating, if there was any pushback, any complaints about the food, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't. And it made no sense. There's no rational sense to it. So I have two kids and three stepkids. And when um, all the stepkids were younger and still living with us, they couldn't wait to get away from the table from me. It, it was terrible. And that was because of an injury that I didn't even know that I had before the diagnosis. You see, one of the challenges with PTSD is that you don't know it's you. You think everybody else has the problem. But it's you, it's, it's you that's pushing people away and uh, because of the injury. And the other challenge is that once you do come to that, which some people never, never do, they think everybody else is the asshole. But once you realize that, oh my God, it's me, I'm the asshole. I'm the one that's being unreasonable here. Um, it is really tough, although it is essential to recognize that it's not me, it's the injury that's causing this. So to not take it personally, the things that, um, that are bugging you, I'm not wording that right. To not take it per, uh, personally, to not beat yourself up that you are having trouble regulating your emotions. That's a better way of saying it. So 
Why is dad so mad? I put uh, in the show notes a link to the YouTube where uh, it's it's narrated with all the illustrations. It's really quite wonderful and very difficult for me to watch, actually. It's a tough one. So before I, I get into the hows and the whys, and not the psychology, but the um, the neurology of why dad is so mad, healing happens. So it took a ridiculous amount of work, years of therapy and self-reflection to realize that what was going on and to get a grip on it. So the good news is, is that although it took me years of work, I no longer get angry with my kids. So that's a huge, huge win. Um, Huge win. I still get caught flat-footed here and there. Um, Just a few weeks ago, I had an incident where somebody was elevated with me and aggressive and uh, had a few choice words for me. And I reacted very poorly to it. I reacted with aggression. Now, it didn't come to blows or anything like that, but it easily could have because I'm still injured and I still got a ways to go. And situations where if I was able to settle myself down, situations where I would um, prefer to be very calm and understanding in, if somebody is aggressive towards me, I still fail. Um, Not every time, but I often deal very, very poorly if uh, people are being aggressive towards me. So why is dad so mad? Let's talk about why it is. When I got back, actually, it was just on my UN leave, so mid-tour. I was in uh, the war zone in Croatia for about three months. Came back to Canada for my 18-day United Nations leave, and I had an incident where uh, I was in my truck, had my sister and my girlfriend at the time driving um, uh, back to my parents' place, and we're on the freeway, and they were just having a bit of fun. I don't even remember what the heck it was about, but I felt that they were picking at me and pushing at me, and I blew up, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs, fuck off, leave me alone, just leave me the fuck alone. And this was at screaming volume, and I've got some pretty good lungs on me. (laughs) What was happening there is that I felt attacked, and I verbally responded with a verbal attack. It was emotional overwhelm. What was small, the molehill felt like a mountain. I have no idea what they were saying, and I, but I can guarantee they didn't deserve that response. So it was a very, very, very quiet ride for the rest of it. And of course, in 1994, there was uh, zero empathy. It just, that guy's an asshole. And that's that. And I don't think my sister's ever forgiven me for it, actually, after all these years. But um, so the neurology of it. Being in a war zone, which I just, what a contrast to going, being in a war zone and then uh, coming back to Canada where 
It's Whoville. Nothing bad ever happens in Whoville. The contrast of that is just so crazy. But I just finished three months in a place where it was high, high, high intensity all the time, whether I was conscious of it being high intensity or not. It was one of the most heavily landmined areas in the world. I'd already had two significant near-death experiences. One when I hit a tripwire and didn't explode, which is great. And another where my um, armored personnel carrier, if you don't know what that is, uh, this one was the M113. It is basically looks like a small tank. Uh, it's, to tr- it's to move troops. It's armored, but it looks like this one looks like a small tank. It has tracks on it. And it's armored, has a big gun on the top. But it locked up and just what went off the bridge. Well, we actually hit the guardrail and we were doing the Dukes of Hazard up on one track and then back onto the bridge. It was the closest near-death experience uh, that you could imagine. If I could explain this to you in how we mangled the guardrail and defied the laws of physics. But the, the point being is that on top of the big incidences, um, we were getting shot at. Uh, there's the threat of landmines. We already had um, a couple of friends blow up. One guy lost his legs. Other people lost their eye and, and a part of their face. Um, there was a lot going on. So I go from this high, high, high te- intensity environment with no buffer. <laughs> and, I, and I come to Canada where nothing bad ever happens, not by comparison anyway. So I was on this elevated um, uh, response. I was up at 10, but I thought I was calm. I thought I was good. I didn't know that I was at 10, but I was at 10. So just a little bit of stimulus from, um, uh, from my sister and my girlfriend at the time, that's all it took for me to feel just a little poke felt like I was getting hit in the head with a bat and that's because of the emotional overwhelm so what happens in high intensity moments is that your brain is creating neural pathways to the lizard brain the fight flight response uh, part of your brain the amygdala so that's the survival part just the raw animal angry gorilla part of your brain and if you are in a high intensity environment too often or for too long what happens is that your amygdala ends up taking over it becomes your default if there's a problem kill it if there's a problem i either smash it i freeze up and or i run away and anything that you perceive as a problem The amygdala is doing the thinking for you, which is no thinking at all. It's reaction. It's fight, flight, freeze, reaction. (laughs) Your your lizard brain's doing all the work. So that's great. In an emergency, we used to do uh, ambush drills in the infantry. And the ambush drills are simply, oh, we're being ambushed on the left. Everybody swings their barrels of their weapons to the left dumps all the ammunition in that general direction and charge. So if you have a problem, kill it. If somebody's aggressive to you, the only solution is to be 10 times more aggressive 
back. And this gets conditioned into you. So even just the training alone, if you have a problem, kill it. If something's aggressive towards me, that's a threat. I have to kill it and kill it quickly with maximum aggression. That's the only way to survive. Fantastic for a combat zone. You need that or you'll die and your friends will die. Shitty for the kitchen table. <laughs> Shitty for hanging out with your friends. Um, really, really, really shitty for your life in general. It does not uh, complement a healthy life. If you have a problem, kill it. And it's not like you're thinking about it. It's, it's how you are now wired. You can't help it. And especially if you're not aware that that's what's happening. So there's two things going on. Just the training by itself trains you for if you have a problem, kill it. But being in those high-stress environments, whether you're as a cop, a paramedic, a soldier, whatever, any of the uniform services, you are in fight, flight, freeze, life-or-death situations more often than the average bear, more often than what is normal for a human being. Even the old caveman days, there wasn't a fight a saber-toothed tiger ready to kill you uh, every day or every other day. It was maybe once or twice in your life that you had to square off with that saber-toothed tiger with your spear. It just wasn't a regular thing. And when it happened, you usually had your friends to back you up and you had a spear to deal with it. But um, nowadays... All right, so neural pathways. Every single time one of these near-death experiences happen, there's a new line, a, a new piece of wiring that says this response requires fight, flight, or freeze. Every single um, event that happens, you get a new neural pathway, or if it's a sustained thing like it was um, uh, in a war zone, then it's all the time. The throttle's always cranked. Even if you feel like you're calm and you don't feel anxious, you are. You still are. Uh, you, you may not be aware of it, but you are. The best sleeps I ever had in my life were with bombs going off around me. And it took me a long time to figure out, well, why is that? It's because I was mentally exhausted. <laughs> Didn't know I was, but I was. So when it was time for the head to hit the pillow, it didn't matter that there were literally bombs going off all around me. Didn't matter. Um, I was out, out like a light. And it, it was because of being on 10 all the time with that hyper alertness, that hyper vigilance, which is flipping exhausting. So dad is so mad because of how our brains are wired because of repeated, repeated near-death experiences, high anxiety experiences, again and again and again, where there is some serious intensity to it, the brain starts working as anything that is a problem. So if my kids aren't on mission with, with their meal, if they're not doing it right, well, everything is mission critical, not consciously, because it's not my conscious brain. It's not the frontal lobe that's doing the thinking here. There's no rationale. It just, I see a problem. If this isn't going the way it's supposed to go, 
that's a problem. Well, what do you do with problems? If you have a problem, kill it. So the frustration comes up because everything at a subconscious level is mission critical. So if you don't eat your vegetables, everybody dies. Now, of course, you don't think that with your frontal cortex, but unconsciously, that's exactly what your brain is thinking. So that's how you're reacting. Oh, you're not eating your vegetables? Well, I'm going to freak out because everybody's going to die because you don't eat your vegetables. Your brain's doing that at an unconscious level. Um, anyway, that's why dad is so angry. It's because of the neural pathways that have been created. The only way out of it is first, self-awareness. So understanding what the hell is going on to understanding that it's actually happening, that it's you, that the thing that you're super, the thing or the person that you're super mad at probably doesn't deserve your anger. That is a tough one. Understanding that whoever or whatever is receiving your anger almost certainly doesn't deserve that anger, which means I'm the problem. That is so hard to get to that point. But if you can, it's critical. It is critical to get to that point where they don't deserve my anger. I'm angry and I have to take responsibility for my own anger. I have to take responsibility for my feelings. And I have to understand that I'm not great at emotional regulation. That little things can seem like really big things. That things that are not a threat feel like a threat. So that self-awareness piece is huge, huge. Without it, I, I don't think you, you got much of a hope. You got to get to the self-awareness piece, the, the part where you realize I'm the one that's being an asshole here and it's my responsibility to do something about it. So peer support groups help a lot. Uh, I find that visualization of situations. So if there's a particular situation where you are used to shitting the bed, visualize it imagine that situation uh, camping trips are huge because they feel like a mission um, and there are things that are dangerous on a camping trip so the mission gets even more important well I, i've wrecked my fair share of camping trips because i had to um, everything seemed mission critical so i was not relaxed until everything was set up and we we're sitting around the fire but whatever that situation is for you visualize that situation going well and probably the biggest uh, tip or trick that I that I can offer is change the mission parameters so knowing that on road trips or anything that is mission oriented um, uh, camping knowing that that is a weakness for me step one realizing that it's a weakness for me Step two, change the mission parameters. So I took my, um, my youngest for his first flight ever. Um, we flew from uh, Calgary to Winnipeg to pick up a motorcycle and then did the 15-hour drive back together. And it was awesome. And I didn't screw it up. I didn't screw it up because I changed the mission parameters. So I changed the parameters from get the motorcycle from Winnipeg to Calgary I changed that to have fun with my boy. I changed the mission. My mission was harmony. If we were a day or two late, 
I've already accepted it in advance. No matter what happens, my mission wasn't to get the motorcycle from A to B. My mission was to have fun with my boy and to make sure that this trip was fun for my son. That was the mission. And you know what? Because I consciously made harmony my mission, my overarching mission parameters, the um, uh, commander's intent was harmony. That's what I got. I got harmony. So when I felt the cheese slipping off the cracker a little bit when we're setting up a tent and I felt started feeling um, uh, frustrated, I was able to catch myself and say, wait a second, my mission isn't to put up this tent. I forgot that for a moment. I thought putting up this tent was the mission. It was not the mission. The mission was harmony. Harmony. Not putting up the tent uh, in the most efficient way possible. <laughs> so I was able to catch myself, immediately apologize to my boy for getting a little bit um, agitated and explaining to him that that's not your fault. I'm not mad because of you. I, I'm mad because my brain doesn't work right. Sorry about that, but I caught it. And we had a great trip. We had a great, 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 great trip because I changed the mission parameters. So change the, your mission parameters to harmony, practice it in your head through visualization, and those are the things that have worked for me. And I hope that they work for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, for a full show list, go to operationtraumarecovery.org. That's operationtraumarecovery.org. And that is the website that has links to several different podcast platforms. Or if you're already on Spotify, just go to Spotify, look for Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast, and you'll find it. So you've probably put that together. Tango Romeo stands for Trauma Recovery. Operation Tango Romeo on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, please um, share, share like the sugar bear, because sharing is caring. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. With a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. everybody thanks for tuning in now i've got a favor to ask you and i know everybody asks for the same favor but it's really really important if you can help do your little bit by going to apple podcasts leaving a rating and a comment that would be awesome also on your favorite podcast platform whether that be spotify anchor google podcasts or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.